The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. everybody and welcome to a brand new edition of we got next here on mmafighting.com a little bit of a different show this week because we have some very big names on the program this week probably the most loaded show we have had since we brought this concept over from the old what the heck show this is actually more of a what the heck lineup more than the typical we got next lineup but i'm excited for it first off i am mike heck there's a lot going on as always, in the world of mixed martial arts, it is UFC 270 Fight Week. We'll certainly talk about that card on the show. First UFC pay-per-view event of the year. Very big deal. Two big title fights. Francis Ngannou versus Cyril Gan for the heavyweight title. Brandon Moreno versus Davis and Figueredo 3 for the flyweight title in the co-main event. Rest of the card is interesting, to say the least. Some good fights. Some interesting fighters to pay attention to. A lot of debuts on this card. I believe we have eight debuting fighters. A lot of shuffle-ups. Quite a bit of movement, which is something to be expected for the next few cards, if we're being honest. We're also coming off of UFC Vegas 46. First UFC card of 2022. Really fun main event, which was won by Calvin Cater. Swept the scorecards. Fantastic strategy. Fantastic game plan. Just... Straight-up warrior spear from both guys. A fantastic performance from Cater against Giga Chikadze. Shut a lot of people up, myself included. We will talk about that fight as well. But let's go ahead and run down this lineup because we have a lot of interviews to get to. We have four guests on the show this week. Like I said, it's like a maybe a 50-50 usual format of the program. But that's how the cookie crumbles. I'm sure you guys will appreciate it. We're going to wrap up the program this week in the world of bare-knuckle fighting. Mike Perry. 
will join us. He's getting ready to headline Knucklemania 2 on February 19th at the Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Hollywood, Florida against fellow UFC vet Julian Lane. Well, tough vet anyways. A, a lot of bad blood heading into this fight. We saw what happened at the BKFC Tampa card. Tensions flared, if you will. And 2021 was a very interesting year for one platinum like Perry. UFC career came to an end. Was on that Triller Triad combat card. Got a big win. Big upset win. And you'll hear his thoughts on that. The fight with Julian Lane and making the case that he should be next for Jake Paul in the boxing world. So that'll close out the program this week. Cody Stamen will join us. He is fighting this Saturday at UFC 270 against Saeed Nurmagomedov. A pretty important fight for him. He's lost two straight to Jimmy Rivera and Marab Dewalish Willie, respectively. And those are two very tough matchups. This is a tough matchup as well. But that has been pretty much Cody's entire UFC run, right? And he's a pretty sizable underdog heading to this one, which is kind of surprising to me. So we'll get his thoughts on that and much more. The aforementioned Calvin Cater will join us in around 20 minutes or so to recap his big win over Giga Chikadze. And yes, I let him know I picked against him. I addressed it pretty quickly. Pretty sure he already knew, but he took it like a champ and, and... I was definitely much kinder than most, but uh, always enjoy chatting with Calvin Cater. But first, we got to kick things off with as much positivity as we can muster. We got to kick things off with the UFC flyweight champion of the world. Getting ready to fight Davis and Figueredo for the third time this Saturday. We kick off this week's show with the assassin baby, Brandon Moreno, coming up next on We Got Next. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, 
and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, let us say hello to a man and truth be told... I think we all need this in our lives right now. And selfishly, I need this in my life. He is the reigning, defending UFC flyweight champion of the world. He will defend that title on January 22nd. Look at this guy against his old friend, Davis and Figueredo in Anaheim, California. The one and only the assassin baby, Brandon Moreno. Brandon, my man, thank you for doing this. Happy New Year. How are you, sir? Thank you, man. Mr. Heck. What the heck with my heck right here, man? Happy New Year! Happy New Year, man. I mean, I I really appreciate this, man. Especially so close to the fight, and I have to be honest, the timing is so good for this, my man. I needed some positivity. I needed to find it the yeah. biggest way possible, and I owed it to myself. I owed it to the people with everything going on in the world to be as positive <laughs> as possible. And here you are to make that happen. I know you get a big <laughs> fight ahead of you in a little over a week as you record this right now, but. Outside of the actual fight world, how has 2022 been treating you so far, my man? Uh, with a lot of, with hungry. I'm hungry since 2021. <laughs> <laughs> but man, you know, was was hard because it was my my first uh, holidays in, in in diet for my fight in, in training camp. So. In the last years, I was fighting in, I don't know, like December 4, December 12 or 11, something like that. So I just finished the fight and go to my holidays with, with my family and enjoyed everything, right? But right now, everything was like so hard. Uh it was hard, again. <laughs> but, I mean, everything is for some reason. And I'm ready. So my, my weight is on point. And my, the training camp was very, really hard. But I feel on point. And I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for the fight. Yeah, I was gonna say you're looking uh you're looking pretty svelte right now, Brandon. You're looking in uh in, in tremendous condition right now. Like even better, I dare I say even better than the the title fight in June. Man, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if there was like an explanation there. Do you do you feel like you know, you're in better shape than than that other fight? You look like you are. Man, asteroids is the answer. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. No, 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 no. It's no, not no. true. It's not true. <laughs> Usala, no, it's coming. No. Just kidding. Here they come. Boom, um, boom, boom. No, not. I mean, man. So after the first fight, I mean the second fight, uh, finishing all my media stuff, you know, media tours and everything. I'm starting to think in the next one. I mean, even don't uh, in that moment, I don't, I don't knew nothing about my next opponent in that moment. But I was thinking like, hey, man, I mean, now you're the champion. Congrats. Like, it's it's amazing, right? But you need to stay focused because now is when everything is put uh, even uh, harder than, than ever. And I, I did everything uh, by myself to do an, a really, really hard training camp. I, I'm eating very, very well. And, um, and my training camp was, uh, man, was terrible. I mean, it was really hard. I went to Tijuana for five weeks. I trained very, very hard there. Then I'll be back here in, in Vegas to start to recover myself. But man, my five weeks in Tijuana, in Tijuana was incredible. I, I'm glad you mentioned the sort of mentality 
of being the champion now because you entered the first two fights against Davison as the challenger. You're the guy on the chase. You're, you're the hunter, if you will. And now you're the guy with the bullseye in the back. You are the <laughs> champion and, and Davis is chasing you this time. And I'm sure physically, as we talked about business as usual, fight camp sucks, evolution, et cetera. But being <laughs> UFC champion, you're getting ready for your first ever UFC title defense. Does it feel different up here? Like, does it feel any different this time around? Uh, no, 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 no. I mean, if you, I was thinking about it and everything is the same. I mean, I have a fight. Somebody's trying to kill me and I need to defend my title and that's it. Okay. I mean, that is the only difference. I'm defending something, but it's the same thing. I'll go to the octagon with some guy who is trying to beat me. So who is trying to get the, the food of my family. Um, so I, I was trying to be very, very focused and just be an, uh, a champion for the cameras, right? For, you know, for the media, for all that stuff. But for to me, I'm just trying to be just Brand Moreno and be the same guy and trying very, very hard every single day as, as always. Because we spoke maybe 48 hours or so after you won the title, part of the part of this media tour that you were talking about. And it was this all new experience for you. It hadn't fully hit you yet at the time. And it's been what, seven months now since Dana White put that title around your waist. How, how would you say life has changed for you? Like, what's it like being the man? I know a lot of like what the fight stuff is, is, is the same. It's another man trying to, to kill you or whatever, but you're the freaking champion. You've been the champion for seven months now. Like it's, it's gotta feel a little <laughs> different, right? Like you've not, you've almost made it. Like, I feel like you're getting closer to that. Do you feel like things have changed in, in some way for you? Um. First month after the fight, everything was like, "Wow, Brandon Moreno is the new, the 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 Mexican champion," and everything. You know, media tour, uh, the interviews, all that stuff. The I don't know how how to say in English like the the treat treat of the people. Yes or no? People treated treat, treating you like a king almost. Yeah, like a king, like very nice in every single place. I I, I remember I had an, a vacation in Puerto Vallarta. I went as I went to some restaurant and the restaurant was very full of people, but the the owner of the of the place uh, recognized me and so they gave me immediately a, a table for all my for all my people. That I mean that part was amazing. Okay. I need to be honest. <laughs> but yeah, so after the first month, maybe after the the, uh, the first two months of uh, all these um, like fever of Brandon Moreno was like a little bit low, start to go a little bit low. But now again, everything like, oh, Brandon Moreno is in everywhere, in every single place in social media, in the interviews, in the cameras. Um, yeah, I mean, everything changed, everything changed, but I think it's about education and it's about how you take all this uh, new life in, in, in your mind, okay? So to me, it's like, I'm just trying to enjoy every single moment uh, of this life and obviously again it's the same it's uh, I thought it was the same yeah I mean n nothing's really changed with you sometimes when people come to champion they get a little too you know look at me look at me but you haven't changed one bit in that way man and and I was scared for that too you know uh, we can we uh, we know about a lot of champions who get the title and start to to lose his mind and start I mean lose the first title defense and then start to lose or, or you know a lot of examples and I wasn't scared to be that guy like oh, man I don't want to be that guy uh so that's why 
uh, well, that's it's another reason for why I wanted to do an, a really hard training camp and stay focused in this. So you get to fight Davis and Figueredo again. And I'm curious about yeah. all of this because there were rumblings ahead of time, maybe a different name. That obviously didn't happen. Figueredo once again. In this scenario, obviously, you know, first fight's a draw. Second fight was pretty one-sided. You had the performance of a lifetime and you put him away in the third. He was thinking about maybe even moving up to 135 after that fight. So were you surprised this is the direction or did you see this coming? What's about circumstances? So in that moment, yes, I was a little bit surprised uh, because the second fight was domination. But in that moment, any other uh, contender was available. So Askarov had something, some injury. Uh, Pantoja had some injury in his knee. So anybody was available in this moment. And, you know, Figueroa started to talk about, like, how oh, this guy's scared of me and he would, he don't he don't want to give me the trilogy, but man, I mean, I I, I was just waiting for the name, <laughs> literal. The, the first name uh, UFC gave, uh, gave me was Figueiredo, and I said yes in that moment because I, I just wanted to fight. Um, so that's it. Yes, at first was a little bit surprised, but at the end of the day, uh, the, you know, first fight was incredible, second fight was total domination. But I mean, maybe the trilogy can be nice to put. Uh, uh, the job finished in the, in the in this third fight and uh, put uh, Davidson Figueredo in the one three five uh, pounds division. <laughs> I'm sure you've seen that he's changed things up a little bit. He's working with a new group of fighters. He's been in the United States for most of this camp. I'm sure that changes nothing for you in terms of your preparation. Is that accurate? Uh, obviously, you you try to 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 watch the fight and try to see holes on. On his game and my game, no. Even if I if I if I won like I did uh, last June, um. But my preparation was about to keep everything sharp, everything sharp. My my strength and conditioning, my cardio, all my body. I was I I put too much attention on that point because right now I feel like maybe it's the only advantage Fidel has on me. Like maybe he's bigger and maybe he's stronger than me. But then right now, I feel like that hole is like covered. The crowd in Phoenix for your title win. I mean, what a moment that was. One of the all-time <laughs> feel-good nice. moments in the history of the UFC, in my opinion. And what was interesting about that fight is we spoke right before that. It was kind of a home away from home fight for you because you had fought so many times in that area before. So, but what some people may not remember is you have a bit of history fighting in the Anaheim area as well because it was June of 2019. Nearly two years to the day prior to you winning the UFC flyweight title, you won the LFA flyweight title in Cabazon, California, which I looked this up actually about a 90 minute drive from Anaheim to that arena <laughs> where you won the title. So good things have happened to you when you fight in that area as well, Brandon. Are you excited to return to the place where this UFC comeback story pretty much began for you? Actually, I mean, I have fights like long time ago. Like when I start to fight in the United States, I I I had like a few a few fights in in that area. So when UFC to, told me about they wanted to move my fight until January, I was like a little bit disappointed. Like man, this uh this part of of me like a, a competitor, he wanted to fight in December, you know. Just one fight in one year sucks. But then they they told me about the location, about Anaheim. And 
after the the second fight against Figueredo, I I went to a, a to a soccer uh, soccer game. Uh, the national team, the soccer national team of Mexico was 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 playing there in Anaheim, and man, the is the Mexican people there like. It's too much people. So many people there in Anaheim and so many Mexican people. And the good vibe was amazing. So when Jobsy told me about Anaheim, I was so excited. Like, okay, okay, that sounds good. All right, we, we can wait one more one more month for that. Winning the fight is obviously top priority for you. And it's going to be pretty tough to do it better than you did in June. But if you do, that'd be pretty darn remarkable. And you would end this rivalry. You would put Davis and Figueroa behind you for good, maybe up to 135. Are you a visual guy at this point? You're the champ now. Are you visualizing this? Is there? Do you see this playing out in a certain way? Man, you know what? What you know what is the most sad part? I don't have any rivalry with anybody. <laughs> I don't. Man, this a competitive guy, rivalry, right? It's a competitive yeah, okay, rivalry. Yeah, that that one is is, is real. But man, he's trying to to try to do some. He's man, it's so funny to me, man. It's so funny. But in in this point, I'm just trying to think about the fight. Like, uh, I need to be very sharp as the last as the last fight, and I need to put like pressure, like I did uh, before. And and that said, obviously, I understand he's maybe he's trying to do something different for this one because he need he need to do it, but. Again, the training camp was so hard. I feel so ready right now. I can fight even right now, this weekend. Just I need to wait and make weight, but I'm ready. It'd be a fun week for you because before your title win, you're sitting next to Nate Diaz at the press conference and what a dynamic duo you guys became. And this time, you're probably going to be sitting next to Francis Ngannou, the heavyweight champion, if you guys have a press conference. So you got Ngannou and, and you sitting right next to each other, just chopping it up and having a good time. That should be that should be a lot of fun, right? Man, so last time, the last press conference was my first one. Man, I was so, like excited. Like everything was like amazing to me, the experience, the people, all the crowd supporting Nate Diaz and you know, I, I I was like getting a good time with Nate and all the people with Nate was like support me too. Like was amazing. And yeah, I, I know Francis from here from Las Vegas. Uh, I I I see him like every single day like in the UMCPI. We get we got we get uh PT physical therapy together, you know, talking and you know it's it's, it's funny. So man, I, I can I, I'm trying to imagine that moment. In a, in a few days and um, I, I just try to get some uh, fun right there. A few last things. I, I have to ask you about this Lego UFC title belts that, that we saw you with. <laughs> what an amazing gift that must have been for you. How did you react to seeing that? What what did that all mean to you? Man, it means a lot. It's very nice. and It's it's, a, it's the same size like the, like the original. And so some uh, a local artist from here, from here, from Las Vegas, uh, talk with the UFC. They they make it and they give me the the veil last week. So it was a surprise to me. Uh, some guy from UFC in Espanol uh, uh, talked with me, talked with me, and say, "Hey, you need to come to the UFC Apex at in in uh, at two o'clock uh, tomorrow." Like, oh, okay. I'll be there. And so I, I went to the UFC Apex and, uh, you know, a lot of cameras and the guy t- told me like, hey, you need to put your mic. Like, why, why, why I need a mic? 
like, okay. So, hey, we need to go to the octagon. I, I walked to the octagon. The, the, the artist was there and they started to talk with me like, hey, we, we know, uh, I mean, you are the champion and we know you love Legos. So you deserve this. And boom, they showed me the, the bell and then the bell is incredible. It's very, really nice. Two, 2,000 pieces in, uh, in total, I think so. Wow. Is, is there going to be a special place in the uh, Moreno mansion for the, for the Lego title belt? Man, right now I'm very focused on the fight, but after the fight, I need to put uh, the belt, like the original, in a really nice frame. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, few, a couple more things. Did you enjoy the World MMA Awards? You were uh, you were cleaning up, winning all the trophies, man. Man, I was on fire that night. <laughs> I, I mean, Kamaru Usman won the, the fighter of the year, but I have three. You know, it's just, I mean, if you put that in the balance, the same. Fighter of the year, too. <laughs> By the way, did you get some new ink? After you won the title, did you get to, uh, a new this tattoo? one. Oh, this look at one. that! That so, is sharp, man. The the my name uh, that my name means a uh, speed sore. Um, that's why I put this one here in my in my left hand because I love swords too. <laughs> oh yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all. And then last thing, I I I wanted to ask you about this, but never had the chance to. I, I saw a few photos over the years over the last several months on instagram you're rocking the michael jordan red chicago bulls basketball jersey so i'm curious if that jersey means something to you were you a big michael jordan fan as a youngster or is that just like a jersey that you just have and you're just like oh this i'll just wear this today man i need to be honest with you so i i know i'm not a, the, the, a huge fan of basketball I don't know too much about the sport. It's very, I, it's very fun. The sport. I, I, I love to watch it, but I, I don't have a team, uh, and I don't support nothing. But I'm start to know about the history of Michael Jordan for the famous. Uh, um, oh, I, uh, I forget the show. The show in Netflix, yeah. Oh, uh, the um, this, I, I this, know what you're talking this, about. I, it's so good. The last it's dance. So good. Yes, that's yep. You got it. You know. And then I started to investigate a little bit more about Michael Jordan. And then I, uh, my manager, Jason, uh, uh, told me about the, the one book. Then the name is Winning from uh, Tim Grover. Tim Grover was the, the personal trainer of, of Michael Jordan. I read the book and, you know, the ideas, how he, he, he works, how he was in, in his regular life, the, you know, the obsession to, to win everything. Uh, that that was to me like something different, and I started to to watch more more information about his life and everything, and was very inspirational to me. To hear, man, like I said at the top, I needed this conversation, Brandon. It's been far too long. I know you're the champ now, and you're, you're doing a ton of interviews. You're going on the MMA hour. You're you're the man right now, and, and I got that. But but a piece of me deep down, selfishly, was hoping that somehow, some way we would get this chance to chat again before this fight because it's kind of a, a history thing with <laughs> us. It's a tradition, if you will. So thank you so much, my man. I truly appreciate it. All the best to you, the rest of this camp, all the best to you on fight week, all the best to you in your first title defense. I can't wait to watch it. Thank you very much as always, Brandon. Thank you so much, Mr. Hey, have a good night. Let us say hello to Calvin Cater. What a performance to cap off UFC Vegas 46 this past Saturday. He silenced a lot of people and he beat up and stopped the surge of one Giga Chikadze in the first main event of the UFC's calendar year. Calvin, well done, my man. How are you? 
Feeling great, thanks. Uh, how's everything going with you, Mike? Everything's going well. The drive home from Logan Airport to Methuen, Massachusetts, uh, that must have been one of the more satisfying drive homes from the airport you can remember, right? In a year. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm just going to get this right out there, Calvin. I'm not here to blow smoke up your rear end or anybody's rear end, but uh, as you know, there are a lot of pe people picking against you heading into Saturday. You are very aware of this, but it is out there for all to see and all to hear. I was one of those people who picked Giga to win this fight. However, you did everything I thought you were going to do. The, the one factor that stuck in my head was typically you're not the fastest starter. Sometimes it takes you a round or two to get going. I knew you'd make it a very dirty, violent fight. I predicted you would end the fight with all the momentum in the world. I just played the too little, too late card. So on behalf of New England sports fans everywhere, I apologize, and I hope you don't think I'm, uh, I'm a Benedict Arnold for going that way. But I was much more respectful than a lot of other people were, Calvin. I really was. Yeah, I mean, as respectful as you can be picking the other side, Mike. But all good, man. It's all good. I, I, you know, I was just happy to come away with the win, but I'm glad you addressed the elephant in the room because if you didn't, that was going to be what I brought up next. So you were... You're, you're a bigger man for, for bringing it up first. Yeah, T Tyson texted me yesterday and called me a Benedict Arnold and just joking around. But he also texted me a couple of photos of the playbook, the the game plan that you guys study. And from what I understand, the, the Tyson Chartier playbooks are, are, are pretty crazy to look at. They're very in-depth, but it's almost like in the language of the fighters, uh, like yourself and, and Rob Font. How, how in-depth was the game plan for this fight honestly um i'm not sure if i really read it since it's been finished i just know that as it's been being created we were going over it so in total you know i'm not sure it's generally two pages usually it's write-ups but um you know it's just that's just the the um the verbiage that we've been you know discussing every day at practice at camp and, um, and, and yeah, definitely drove it home. And the biggest thing was just pressuring this guy and making him uncomfortable. I know you are of the Bill Belichickian mentality. We don't like to talk about the past. It's all about the future. But I am curious, when that final horn sounded and you ended the fight as emphatically as you did, what was going through your mind? Because as, as humble as you typically are, Calvin, it had to have felt good to throw a little bit of a, of a neener, neener, neener at the MMA community. I mean, uh, it definitely felt good um, to, to prove everybody wrong, but as far as verbally reprimanding everybody, which they all deserved, I, I haven't given it to them yet. Um, I had some other unfinished business on the microphone, but you have to always earn the opportunity every time with your performance to get that microphone. And uh, yeah, so just just was glad that how it all worked out. But uh, yeah, bittersweet, especially, I mean, knowing how much, you know, like I said, he was talking, kind of going into that one and really not necessarily about me. So it was just disrespectful all around. And uh, and it's always, always good when you can win those ones. The way most people in this space broke this fight down was, and I'm, and I'm sure you saw it all over the place, was, you know, your best chance to win was to land one of those big right hands and knock him out. And while that option was always there and in other options to, to get victories as well that maybe some people didn't give you enough credit for, and in hindsight, that could have happened. Do you feel that this is a much better result? You going out there sweeping the scorecards pillar to post. This is way better than you going out there and stopping them in the first round, right? 
Yeah, I, I think I could have submitted them if we hit the ground too. I, you know, I, I came very, very like minimally close enough first. I had an option or two where I could have. I almost caught him in an early phone flu, but he did a good job off balancing me. And um, man, it would have been nice to get out of there before those next four rounds. But uh, you know, the way it worked out, man, it, it is what it is. Uh, at the end, really, you could always kind of you know wish things worked out a little bit different. But at the end of the day, it might have impacted the fight. So. Just the way it all worked and came together, I'm, I'm happy to get my hand raised at the end of it. And like you said, focus on the next one. Did you get a chance to, to watch any of the Pats game? Because, I mean, the timing of this fight couldn't have been any better. I, I was actually joking on Twitter that maybe Tyson let you watch the first quarter of the game to <laughs> give you some extra motivation because unlike you on Saturday, the Patriots got beat and they didn't even show up to Buffalo. It's like they didn't even try out there. It was, it was a freaking joke. Honestly, um, that's one that I probably won't like rewatch. But when I did tune in, I did catch it uh, in the hospital. I tuned in. I got a link at like two minutes left in the game. And then, man, it was rough. But um, I knew I was in for a beating with Ariel because I talked a lot of shit when we first beat the Bills. And, and I did have it coming to me for, for what I was saying. And then I even counted them out early. I said, better luck next season. It wasn't even the postseason game. I was just talking shit. You know what I mean? And then he <laughs> sent me home on that one, man. But yeah, definitely tough. Uh, I'd love to be rooting for him now that like I'm past the fight, you know, I just finished four seasons of Yellowstone all camp. So I was binge watching that. And now that I'm done the fight, I, I got nothing to watch. Pats are out. Shit sucks. Watch Brady. I I mean that's all you can do now as a Pats fan, right? <laughs> Shit. But um, yeah, no, it'll it'll be good, man. It, it always next year, and you know, a lot can happen in one year, right? A lot can happen in one year. So hopefully these guys they bounce back, and um, you know, and Bill we trust as always. So you mentioned the the, the sort of disrespects going back and and talking about some of the interviews and and, and some of the predictions, but I think there's a little bit of a difference between, you know, looking ahead and looking somewhat past somebody and then straight up overlooking somebody. And you might be the only fighter on the roster who legitimately does neither of those things. There's always the the goals, the future, what a win could lead to, and fighters talk about that all the time. That's sort of the looking past thing. We look to the future. It's part of the process in a lot of ways. Overlooking someone is more like this fight just needs to happen and then I'm fighting this guy and I'm fighting for the belt or this or that. It's more like a hurdle than anything else. But, you know, by Sunday, this is unequivocally going to happen. I just need to walk to the octagon and then this is going to happen. With all the Volkanovsky title stuff and, and some of the things, do you feel like you were straight up disrespected, that you were straight up overlooked, that Giga believed you were just a hurdle? Yeah, he just wanted to even, like, bypass me, not even have to fight me and just get the, the title fight. I mean, 7-0 in the UFC, yeah, it's impressive, man. It's, a, you know, no matter which way you cut it. But uh, he could have fought more contenders. You know, he, the last win was was big off Barbosa, And then, you know, Cub was another solid win. And, uh, and he's doing something right, building momentum. But um, not just people People want to just skip the line with their, you know, with their mouse and their shit talk and not go out and earn it and prove it with their fights. And as you can tell, man, um, you know, that's not my style. I'm just going out, competing through the pandemic, uh, when when really no, not many other other featherweights were doing that. And uh, whatever way it worked out, man, this last year it's good. It's starting to move again. I'm excited about seeing that some of these guys coming out of the Wolverines competing, and um, hopefully get some movement in the division. But as far as talking shit to to 
to get that next in line. I'm out for that, man. Go out and earn it, prove it, get a fight, win some shit, and then start talking. And especially not the week of your your fight with a different opponent. You know, I think you really mismanage focus to be focusing on the next fight or a fight that might happen as opposed to one that's definitely going to happen in a couple days. One of the interesting things about the predictions heading into this fight, we talked about this on our preview show, is a lot of people were basing their predictions on the fighter from a year ago, the guy who fought Max Holloway, the, the guy who's had other fights. And Dominic Cruz sort of started this whole ring rust talk over the last few years. And anytime somebody comes back from any kind of a long layoff, it's all about ring rust and these layoffs being a hindrance. And I remember speaking with Tyson Chartier last week, and he said your mentality behind everything, because you were ready to fight September, October-ish, if something got put together, your mentality was you can never get worse with more time. And you showed that on Saturday. How much growth would you say you experienced over the last year between fights? And what about you grew the most? Yeah, you never get worse with more time to prepare as long as during that time you're preparing. <laughs> you're actually putting in the work and dotting the I's, crossing the T's, and putting in the effort every day, laying a brick every day. And that, that's all we did was just lay a brick and, and focus on an eventual return, whenever that was, to, to, to just be ready as possible because that's all we could control. And, um, and, and just going back on how, you know, I don't really love talking about the fights, um, you know, even after a win that went off a loss and just hearing people come out of the woodworks talking a lot of shit. There's a lot of motivation for this next one. So um, I'm glad it, the way it worked out. And that was aside from, you know, Giga even kind of giving me more, um, you know, more chips with his interviews. So it was like, it was overwhelming uh, how much motivation I had to go into this one and uh, just, just wanted to leave it all out there and, and I think we, you know, after five rounds, we did that. But I, know, I was real close to getting that finish, man. I think in that fifth round, a little longer, I might have had it. And um, But, you know, credit to him, he was durable. What was that walk to the octagon like for you? Because it had been so long. You were looking to exercise those demons. You had some points to prove. And it had been 364 days since you made the walk yourself, that you are eyeing that octagon and walking in there. I mean, I know you were in there cornering Rob Font and everything like that, and but this was such a big deal. Like first fight in Vegas and everything. What, what was that walk like for you? What, what was going through your mind? Honestly, aside from, I'm, I'm really trying to focus. I usually just try to focus on all the positives. The biggest thing about that was just, it was the first time my family had been able to come out and a lot of like team cater, you know, the, the actual tight group that comes out, flies to Russia, flies to wherever they can to see me fight. We go and compete, make a week out of it. And, uh, they haven't been able to be with me now for over, you know, a couple of years and they've been just itching to get to these fights. And so, um, and then let alone, it was always my mom's dream for me to fight in Vegas. And for me, that was a dream of mine for her to have that and, you know, see that through. So um, it was great to just make that walk in Vegas for my first time ever with my whole family and friends that haven't been to an event in so long. And then just the, uh, the, intimate venue you know at the apex it's only a couple hundred people so for them it was like crazy they loved it and uh, i just wanted to go and get the job done man but listening also to the to the house of the rising sun the animals my my, my fight walkout song is uh is something else walking out in vegas man i'm just it, it was great listening to that that's where i feel like i would visualize that song uh, and all the movies i've seen all taking place out there you know vegas and 
um, it, it was just cool coming together and and competing in Vegas for the first time and having the result have it work out the way we did. Did it feel like like it was a throwback for you? Because I mean, th- this kind of had a regional fight feel. Because I'm sure when you're going through the New England regional scene, you were selling a lot of tickets, and there weren't tens of thousands of people going to these fights. There were a couple hundred people, but a lot of times one or two fighters will will outsell the other fighters on the card. So it's almost like a like a like a like a small hometown fight in a way where it's almost there's a couple hundred people there, but like 95 percent of the people are there for you. Did did it have sort of that same feeling? Because it was very loud. I was describing it like combat zone right here. Combat right. I fought for back in the day, the local events, exactly what it was. I was like, my sister's pregnant. She's five months pregnant. She's going to have the baby in May. I'm like, Kylie, listen, she's like, it's a little stressful in there. It's a little bit more intimate. It's like combat. So I don't really want you uh, stressing out too much. Like I was there for Rob's fight and it's always, you know, more nerve wracking for uh, when you can't control, you know, the fight. And for, for Rob's, I was always, you know, just crazy nervous because, it's not my fight. I was almost more nervous to Rob's and obviously the mics. I can't impact it at all, except for being a cornerman. But um, I didn't want my sister to feel those feelings being pregnant. And I was like nervous of that. Like you're saying, it's a smaller venue. But man, is it uh, you know a, a fun experience for the fans. All my family and friends, I mean, given their little bias now coming off the W, but they love the event, the, the feeling of being in the apex. But um you know, it is tough for everybody else trying to come see the fights and it's an expensive ticket. But for those that made it, it was it was great to see him in house. One thing I will agree with that Bill's Mark Helwani on, Calvin, is that uh, you now have a very compelling case to fight for the title next. And with how this division looks, all signs are pointing to Volkanovsky versus the Korean Zombie for the title April 9th, UFC 273. But, you know, listen, we, we've seen... What has been going on, we've seemed to have taken a, a little bit of a step back with this whole pandemic thing. We saw it with Saturday's card. It was ravaged with cancellations and substitutions. This Saturday's UFC 270 card, a lot of the same thing. The door might be open for you to slide in there. Is is that a possibility for you? If they need somebody to tag in or if they need a backup fighter for that championship fight, could you see yourself being available? Yeah, definitely. Um, especially now that I mean, unless there's new uh, new variants that come out. I got COVID twice this camp. It was such a long camp. I got it kind of right before um, right before even flying to Vegas there, too. So it was good that at least, you know, from there, I thought that I wouldn't have had my fight pulled due to COVID because there's so many reasons why your fights fall off these days, not just your opponent not showing up or making weight or getting injured. Now there's all these other variants and things. So that was a nice checklist. But, um, yeah, I knew the more he jocked for the position of the belt, um, it would only better my case after beating him. He was arguing my case, you know what I mean? Go out, make a lot of stink, talk a lot of shit. Right now you're seven on the division. Tell everybody why you deserve this next shot. And then when I beat you, I don't got to say shit. Beautiful thing, right? It's nice it's when that works out that way. Yeah, it's beautiful, <laughs> man. I was like, yeah, even better, man. State your case all you want, man. Let them all know. This way I don't got to say much after the fight. And, uh, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm ready, man, for a big opportunity like that. Like I said, I just want more big moment opportunities. And uh, I, I'd like to fight up this next fight, whoever that is. I'm not overly concerned. Uh, ideally, you know, the belt would be nice, like you're saying. I think I've, I've proven that I'm a contender, um, if not right away. Obviously, Max next in line, right? Speedy recovery, hope that works out. But if he's not healed up and maybe there's movement on that fight or something happens, we've seen crazier shit happen in this sport, right? I'm always down for a big moment opportunity, man. You know that. You never know. Tyson might get a phone call like a month from now saying, hey, let's have Calvin head over to Jacksonville. Let's have him weigh in. 
make a couple extra bucks, right? And then if something happens, we need to slide him in for for a title fight against Volkanovski, or if, you know, something happens the other way, maybe an interim title fight. I mean, we obviously don't want that to happen, but it's a crazy time in the sport, is it not? Yeah, you know Tyson signing that contract, and then probably calling me after. <laughs> Absolutely. I saw you guys got to hang out with Chuck Odell after the fight in Las Vegas. What was that like? Yeah, that was cool. Maybe we were all posted up at uh, at the Encore. Most of my family was staying there for the for the night or the weekend, and uh, we we're just hanging out at the piano bar. And he, I think he was coming through to to go to one of the spots over there, and uh, we bumped into him at the bar. And we're just kicking it, but man, yeah, it was great seeing the legend. He made the night, especially not just for me and Rob, but obviously for everybody that we were with. They were all like, "Holy shit, man! We just saw the fights live. They're all rocking a headband, Catermania headband with Dana White." And then all of a sudden, later at the Encore. Chuck Liddell's hanging out with us at the bar. They're all like, man, what a crazy experience this whole entire... Vegas is just Vegas, man, right? You never know who's going to be walking down, uh, passing you at the bar, who's gonna bump, who you're going to bump into. Was there anybody else out there? I mean, uh, not 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 crazier than Chuck Liddell. So that was the <laughs> highlight. That was the highlight of the, of the strange bump-ins. But uh, I did feel like I, I met a lot of uh, Vegas people that knew who I was. Not so much because they were fans, but because they made a shit ton of money off me being plus 200, you know, or whatever the, the line was. But, um, man, that, that gambling crew out there, it's like they're all just aware as, as betters, you know what I mean? But not so, maybe not so much as uh, fight fans, I was thinking. It was just like they're all, like, hey, I made a ton of money off you, man. I'm like, great. <laughs> you know who I am? <laughs> like, they just, they just like, just they love the plus money guys, you know, out there doing their thing. They love an underdog in Vegas. Here's my Venmo, you know, a couple, couple shekels, right? But um, last thing, I know, I know you got to go, but I'm not on Facebook that often these days, but, but I saw a post from a woman that I actually graduated high school with in Burlington, Mass, and she has two kids. Both of them are, are big fans of yours, and the post said essentially that you were, that you are a, a bit of a celebrity in that household. The, the daughter has your photo on the wall, Big fan of yours. Her son, I believe his name is Jeremiah, also a, a very big fan of yours, was rocking the Catermania gear on Saturday. And apparently this this all stemmed because your mom has a store in Haverhill, Mass. called Humble Healings. They love the store. They're there all the time. You And you have a couple of fans now. This is very cool stuff, Calvin. You're out here not just winning fights and climbing the ranks, but you're giving some kids some, some some hope you become this this role model my man what 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 does that all mean to you because that that is a very cool thing no it's awesome it's great especially like I said back home i think there's more people that have been following my career for a lot longer not so much just cuz i was a plus dog out there last weekend in vegas but back home they think they you know they respect you know they know where i came from they think maybe some of them can see me fight locally so um you know, people are jumping on the journey not too long ago, just seeing where it's come. It's it's pretty crazy, especially through the pandemic. You know, I feel like a lot of people are divided and kind of a uh, little little lost with that, you know, and to have something to kind of hold on to and just be seeing, seeing the growth. And uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm hopefully, uh, I'm hoping it inspires people, but I love seeing the the kids with the Catermania um, headbands, bandanas, and uh, cartel gear. It's awesome. And yeah, like you said, my mother owns a, a holistic healing store in, in Haverhill. So she's always cleaning up all this shit on my face and these bone, like all these pains I got. She's always giving me a CBD salve or all this stuff to rub on rather than going out. You know, these doctors love to put me on some prescriptions. So um, she keeps me off all that and, and on the CBD at the store and feeling good. But 
Yeah, it's really a crazy time, man. With, with all that, it's getting it's getting more normal. But uh, you, you know, it's 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 um, it's definitely exciting, motivating. Every time I kind of get something like that, I just want to go uh, push it even further and just see how far we can take this. Congratulations, man! What what a performance! What else needs to be said? You went out there, let your t- let let your fighting do the talking. He built the fight up for you, and you're reaping the benefits. So well done! Excited to see what is next for you. Heal up, enjoy the win. Maybe you'll get that big time phone call. We'll talk soon. And I'm sorry I picked against you. I'll never make that mistake again. Uh, you're making up on the next one, Mike. I love you, buddy. All good, <laughs> man. You're, you're one of the good guys. Uh, I'm always happy to interview with you. All right, let us welcome back Cody Stamen to the program. He returns to the Octagon this Saturday at UFC 270. He takes on Saeed Nurmagomedov. Cody, good to see you, sir. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm just, uh, I got to start packing. <laughs> I'll leave in the morning. I got nothing packed. So I'm going to have a busy day ahead of me. Yeah, so I, I appreciate you squeezing me in. I don't know why I feel this way. I feel like you haven't fought in like two years, but I know it hasn't been that long. Cause I mean, it's, it was just yeah. like eight months ago. You just fought like yeah. in May. Right. I, I don't know why it seems like it's, it's been so long, but has it felt that way to you at all? For me, kind of, but I also feel like I've been preparing for a fight for eight months. So, I mean, I thought for sure I would, I would fight um, before the end of last year. Uh, I was sure of it. And then, you know, I got a call in October, say, Nurmagomedov, you want to fight him? I said, sure, when? And I'm thinking probably December, maybe November, then like January. And I'm like, damn, okay, that's that's four months away. Well, all right, I'll, uh, I mean, I guess, I mean, one of the hands were two in the bush, let's get it done. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's been a long time coming, but, you know, there's so many guys in the UFC right now because of COVID and everything else that, you know, the, the roster is a little inflated and it's a lot harder for guys like me to get fights. I was talking to Tyson Chartier last week, who obviously was the head coach of Calvin Cater. And we talked about the long layoff and how Calvin wanted to come back in like September, October after the Max Holloway fight. And he said that Calvin Cater's whole process with fights getting pushed back and things not going to plan is, well, extra time is never going to make me worse. You know what I mean? Right. So I'm sure you feel the same way. Yeah, I mean, and you need time, you know what I mean? Like when you go in and you have a poor performance and you you see mistakes that you made, uh, those don't just get fixed overnight, right? You don't just go, okay, well, I did this, I did this, I didn't do this, I need to do this, okay, I got it. You know, you have to drill these things for months before you're really kind of honing in on them and, and, and correcting the problems Uh, and you know, that's one benefit to having a lot of time is that you can actually take that time to kind of reflect on what's, what's going on and and maybe come back with a, with a different energy and a, and a, and a better game plan, you know, for your career. And I feel like I've done that, you know what I mean? I'm not like one of those guys that, that just trains when he has a fight coming up, you know, I'm in the gym every day. Uh, I've been training with, you know, the best guys in the world, everybody's here in Vegas. So. I feel like this time has been super beneficial for me, although I've been chomping on the bit for a long time to get a fight. Uh, it has given me that time to kind of reflect and, and, and make the changes I feel like I need, you know, if I'm going to continue to fight at this level in the UFC. 
Are you talking about like the the fight with Marab? Because I mean, it was it was a good fight. You made him work his ass off out there. But in the end, wrong side of the decision. What did you, what did you take away from that one? Because Marab's a monster, and you were able to hang with him while others haven't really been able to. Yeah, you know, honestly, I think if I fight Marab ninety nine times, uh, I beat him ninety eight. He just he had my number that night for whatever reason. I go back and I watch that fight, and it was, it's kind of like I know I was hurting him. Uh, I, it's hard because I feel like I won. Um, regardless of, of, of what anyone else thinks, I watched that fight and, you know, but I'm, it didn't look good. You know, I was rolling a lot of shots. Uh, you know, that's kind of been something I've done in my whole career that, that hasn't necessarily looked good for, for, the, for the judges. You know, if someone throws a right hand at you and you go like this and you roll, roll it off your shoulder, that's, you know, that's the old boxing technique, something I learned in Detroit. And, uh, it just looks bad. It just, it looks bad. So, you know, in my head, I felt like I was winning the fight. Um, I thought I won the first. I thought I lost the second. I thought I won the third. Uh, obviously, people didn't agree with me, and it is what it is. And, uh, like, looking back, you know, there was just, there were so many mistakes made, so many, so many things that I'd planned on doing that I didn't do. I went out there, I, and I got emotional, and you know, he took me down right in the beginning. I threw a kick and he caught it, took me down. And I was just pissed, just pissed. And I, I, I never get like that in fights. Uh, I don't ever get emotional like that. And I don't know why uh, that time was the time that I decided I was just going to throw the game plan out the window and start marching him down to try to land one bomb. Uh, but I did that, that, that fight. And, and looking back, I'm like, man, that's, such a terrible way to fight. Like I, I pride myself on, on having a good fight IQ and, and knowing what's going on and making adjustments. And in that fight, I just didn't, you know what I mean? I was in my head and I, I, I made mistakes and it cost me the fight. So, you know, I, I've just been getting back to, to what I know, what I know, what I'm, how I know to win. And, and that's just by being slick, making guys miss and, and forward pressure uh, and, and hitting guys absolutely as hard as I can. And that, you know, if, say watch this interview that's the game plan it's like dude i'm coming forward and i'm gonna try to hit you absolutely as hard as i can and, and make you miss every chance i get and then make you pay that's the that's the game plan that's that's how i fight and that's how you know i need to fight really fight in the cage moving forward it's funny you say i was speaking to your manager jason house earlier today and there's a sort of cliche in mma that rings true, but it, I mean, it's, it's said all the time. It's a game of inches, like tiny, tiny differences that can yep. change absolutely everything. And if we were going to sort of prove that theory true, I feel like your career is like the perfect example of game of inches. Like, do you agree with that? Especially with this Barab fight, like little things, like little things that you were talking about. I feel like that's a totally different fight. Yeah. Uh, just, just a couple of simple mistakes, you know what I mean? And, and it's, it's not that I haven't, I haven't been in there with anyone where I walked out of the cage and I was like, wow, that guy was just, he was just better than me. You know what I mean? Like I had to be, I had to be the absolute best version of myself that night. And I just wasn't, and he, he was better than me. I've never walked out. I walked out, you know, with a Murad fight. I walked out with just a head full of mistakes. Uh, Jimmy Rivera fight, same thing. I'm like, man, I just never put my foot on the gas. I don't, I don't know what was going through my head um and same thing with all the main sterling it was like uh it was like i was doing what i knew to do 
to beat him in the first round. And then in the second round, I just threw the game plan out the window and started, uh, you know, fighting a completely different way than what I'd planned to fight. And it's like these, these little mistakes are so costly at, at a high level. You know what I mean? When you start fighting ranked guys um, and you start making mistakes and they don't, it's, it's over. You know what I mean? Cause things start rolling the other way and it's hard to come back. You know, I mean, if, you get a couple of nice combinations landed on you in the, in the, you know, opening of a round. It's like, you're almost fighting back the entire round just to kind of get that back. And, and that's something um, that I just can't do moving forward. You know what I mean? I need to be perfect. And, and that's been everything lately. It's just, it's just perfecting the little stuff, kind of going back to, to what got me to the show. I mean, I have a gym in my garage and I've been working out just, by myself uh just correcting the little things that i know i have to do well to compete at this level and i think that's something i kind of got away from when i moved to las vegas because there's so many practices and there's so many things going on all the time that you almost you almost you're doing more but really like the quality starts to go down because you're not you're not checking yourself you know and there's really nobody out there uh that's that's checking you you know what I mean everybody's kind of just giving you a good job like hey you look good you look good it's like yeah I look good but but what did I do wrong it's like well I don't know you you look pretty good and I'm like well then I'm gonna so I just started filming everything and kind of assessing everything week by week you know I've been doing that for months and I feel like that's where you really really get better and you really make the changes that you know that you need to make uh to be the best version of yourself. You know what I mean? You gotta be, you gotta be critical, super critical on yourself. You know, you can't let your ego run things. And it's, it's, it's really, really fine line in MMA where, you know, you have to have that ego, you have to be confident and you have to believe in your abilities, but you also have to, you know, know how to shut that off and go back and be like, well, yeah, this is good, but this is bad. This needs to be fixed. Um, and I've been doing that. I've been doing that. And that's something that I, I, I always did before, you know, like when I was in Michigan, I didn't, I didn't necessarily have like a ton of training partners. You know, I had a, a handful, uh, but really it was kind of on me. You know what I mean? It was kind of on me. I was the only guy, you know, for a long time in the UFC in Michigan. So, you know, I'm, I was always trying to just find the best training partner for, for whatever I needed. And, and uh, when I came out here, everything was just so easy. Um, and I kind of got away from the specific things that, that made me good. And you always, you also have to have like some incredible life balance when you're filming and rewatching film and trying to break it all down. Right. Like I see obviously in your Instagram, you're, you're out there doing some hunting and doing some different things. So you're like, you're trying to get away from it when you can, right? Like how, how important has just overall life balance been trying to just fix these little things? Yeah. I mean, because if it was up to me, I would just, it'd be MMA 24 seven and I would absolutely drive myself insane, uh, even more insane than I already am. Uh, so I have to, I have to do things like I force myself every week. I take a day, one day, I don't do anything MMA related. I don't think about it. I don't watch it. I don't do anything. And then I feel like I'm way more hungry come Monday. You know what I mean? Cause I've been doing this for a long time. And in the beginning it didn't matter. You know what I mean? Like I, I, everything I did was, based around MMA, it, nothing else mattered to me. 
And, you know, after you've been in this sport for so long and after you're in the UFC for a little while, like it starts to wear on you. You start to, you start to show it. Um, and the tr training becomes harder. Everything becomes harder. So I kind of just forced myself. I actually had an exercise psychologist told me that was like, if there, there was something that I could tell you to do, he's like, I would tell you to just get the hell away from the sport uh, every opportunity you can. Because I think you're one of those people that will literally drive yourself insane if you don't have that day off. Um, so that's kind of something I've, I've implemented, you know, over the last, you know, year or so. And I feel like I'm a little more uh, of a normal person um, and less of just a freaking psycho that is, literally can't shut it off. All this extra time, uh, I'm sure you've gotten the chance to train at a lot of different places. I'm not sure if you got a chance to get back to Detroit. Maybe you got to check out the uh, the, the urban survival training classes at all during no. this hiatus. I mean, it's right uh, there, I man. <laughs> I can't wait to go back. I saw a bunch of guys from Michigan went in there, and uh, he was he was demonstrating some some of his killer moves on him. And I'm like, man, I am 100% happy this fight going there. And I'm gonna just I'm I'm making a video, and every time this guy tries to do something to me, I'm just gonna like fake punch him in the face and be like, well, what about now? I'm actually really looking forward to that because uh, I can't stand that shit. I can't stand, I can't stand the whole, the, the fake, the fake uh, MMA, the fake martial arts videos that I see coming out there and like all the, and what's crazy is like, this guy is like getting super famous for making these dumbass videos. Yeah. And I don't know if he really believes that what he's doing is like legit or if, it's all a spoof and he's just trying to get attention. I can't tell, you know what I mean? Like I want to sit in front of him and just and, and get to know the dude and see if like he really believes that he's like some combat God and that he could really defend himself in a, in a real scenario or if, if he's just like, yeah, dude, this is just what sells, this works. I'll make him money, so I don't care. I, I hope he's that guy, not the, the other guy. It's just weird how this world, it, like I went and uh, I covered the Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley rematch in Tampa. Yep. And I felt like I was a thousand years old. I didn't recognize anybody. There were all these like kids, celebrities and like these 20 something year old men and women who were apparently super famous for doing something. And people are lining yeah. up, up and down the arena to try to take pictures of these people. And I'm like looking around at other media members like, who is that? And yeah. No, half of them didn't know. Some did and try to explain it to me. I'm like, what? They're famous for what? Like one yeah, kid they, just goes they, to a grocery store. Yeah. One kid just goes to a grocery store and like throws boxes of cereal at people and runs away. And he's like a millionaire. Cause like he did, he did one TikTok video just doing that as like a joke and it blew up and now he's like super famous. So maybe that's what happened here. He did like one video. It went crazy. And he's just like, why should I stop this? It's yeah, like paying that, attention. Uh, this is, this is more attention than I've ever gotten in my entire life. I'm just going to keep this up. Yeah, I mean, it's like uh, someone someone actually, I did this interview and, and the guy was super polarizing. I felt like he was really trying to like get under my skin. And he's like, does it hurt your feelings that like, uh, you know, some kid literally makes a video of a toaster or like of his food or something and he's more famous than you? And I was like, no, that doesn't hurt my feelings. Like, I mean, because in, in like the clown world that we live in, like, do I really want to be uh, famous for something stupid like that? Like, I mean, honestly, like, is that really what I want to be known for? And the answer is absolutely not. Like, I'd, I'd just rather be known for being a decent person and 
being good at fighting or, you know, being good at something that is actually relevant to the world. Like I want to contribute something. I don't want to just be some, some little turd that a bunch of six year olds thinks cool because he, you know, does some dumb shit at the grocery store. You know what I mean? Like I want to actually contribute to society, not just be one of these kids. So uh, yeah, my answer uh, kind of perplexed the guy a little bit, but he was like, okay, moving on. <laughs> Yeah, that seemed like such a random ass question to to ask you during an interview. Was this like to promote the fight? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was. Uh, it left me. Uh, let's just say, like, I was ready to punch a hole when I got done interviewing this guy, and I kept asking him, like, "Are we done?" He's like, "I just have a couple more questions for you." I'm like, "Dude, uh, I cannot believe I'm not just shutting my phone off, but like, I want to, I want to get back at you somehow." Like, uh, it didn't work, dude. You can use it in the fight. Little little chip. Little chip on the old shoulder. You can always. It never hurts to find those anywhere you can find yeah. them. They're they're everywhere. <laughs> yeah, they're everywhere. Well, now you get uh, Saeed Nurmagomedov, and when you look at the last name, it it just screams high level wrestler. He's got to take you down thirty five times, but this dude can can strike and strike very effectively. His last two finishes were via strikes inside the UFC. Thoughts on yep. the matchup? Thoughts on Saeed as an opponent? Were you uh, were you happy with the matchup? Uh, yeah, I was extremely happy. Um, honestly, I'd, I'd watched him a lot because uh, I was supposed to fight uh, Barcelo, so I'd watched that fight a million times. Um, so I kind of knew what Saeed was about when I, when I signed the fight. Uh, yeah, really good kickboxer. I'd imagine he's a solid wrestler. I haven't really seen a ton of his wrestling like in anything I've watched, um, but I'm sure he's good there. But uh, yeah, I mean, stylistically, like fighting a guy with four UFC fights, um, for me, it's just a gift, you know what I mean? Because all the guys I fought have as many or more UFC fights, maybe three times as many as me. Um, and it's like, I feel there's just, I don't want to be that. I don't want to say that cliche thing where like, I'm on a different level than him because who knows if that's true. Right. But in regards to experience and, and level of people I fought, I am on a different level than him. Um, and so I've been in there with the best. I know what they offer. So, you know, Saeed doesn't. And either he's going to be everything that people think he is and uh, I'm going to have my hands full uh, or he's going to realize that, you know, somebody with as much UFC experience as I have uh, makes for a really, really tough night. And it's going to be hard for him to get off all that crazy shit because you know, I feel like a lot of the techniques that, that work for him um, don't necessarily work at a high level. So uh, we'll see. I mean, I'm pretty confident going into this, but um, I'm not I'm not dull to the fact that Saeed is a bad dude and uh, he has some dangerous weapons. And I, I've got to be uh, I've got to be really smart this weekend. Yeah, to sort to sort of add to what you just said, because I just I just took, took a look at it. I don't know that you pay attention to this stuff, but he's a pretty big favorite in this fight. Minus 200. Like, and yes, you know, yeah. talented guy. But again, like the level of fighters that you have faced compared to the level of fighters he has faced. I mean, w- with all due respect to the man, it's like apples and chocolate chip cookies. Like it's two totally different things. Like you're fighting Song Yudong and Brian Kelleher and 
Brian Caraway and, and Tom Dukenwald, which at the time, the last two guys, those are very big wins. Those are very big mm-hmm. wins back in 2017, 2018. And then you get Rivera and Marab and, and you fought the champion of the world, Aljamain Sterling. Strength of schedule here is vastly different. It's not minus 200. And maybe the lines will get a little closer. I think smart money will probably squeeze that line a little bit. It seems way off to me, man. Well, it's just it's just every single every single fight I'm an underdog. I feel like every single time. It doesn't matter if if uh, if I'm if I'm ahead in the rankings. I want to say it's it's been it's like half 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 my fights I've, I've I've been an underdog. And a lot of times I'm like, how how? And this is another one of those times where I'm like, all right. If I was looking at this card, and you know, I was like picking fights where I thought you know, I could potentially win some money. My fight would jump off the card at me. Like, okay, this guy's been in there with the best in the division. And this guy's relatively untested with four fights. You know what I mean? Like when I look at Saeed and I look at him completely unbiased, he's not my opponent. I watched him fight Justin Scoggins. uh, And I thought Scoggins beat him clearly. I thought, I didn't even think it was close. I thought Scoggins easily won that fight. Um, And then Scoggins gets robbed. And, and then gets cut, and I'm just, I was so confused. So if I'm really looking at Saeed's career, I think he's got four UFC fights. I mean, I look at him like he's two and two in the UFC, you know, and, and he's never actually fought anyone in the rankings. So, uh, you know, the matchmakers, or not the matchmakers, but the, the, the odds makers never seem to give me any respect. So this isn't something that's, that's new or foreign to me. But uh, I think they messed up on this one i really i mean there's a good chance hand somebody some cash and be like put all this on cody stamen because uh i think i can win some extra money you there are we good Yep. Oh, there you are okay you froze up for a second we're good i I actually heard everything you said I'm, I'm, i'm looking at the lines the odds in the past right now. Do you remember the last time you were favored? Well, you were favored in the, in the Kelleher fight, but do you remember the last time you were favored in a fight before that? Last time I was a favorite, I think I was a favorite in the Kelleher fight. Yep. You know, think, before I that think, one. Uh, Brian Caraway. Actually, I think it was even money. Yeah. You were slight favorite in the Caraway fight. Uh, yeah, Alejandro no, Perez. I was. I was an underdog and then I was a, I was a favorite. Alejandro Perez. Perez actually surprised me that I was a favorite because he was undefeated, ranked higher than me. And I was, it was a short notice fight for me. So I was actually really surprised there. I was like, oh, well, I figured I would be a pretty significant underdog in that fight. But, you know, that time they got it right. Yes. First time entering a fight on consecutive losses. And I hate to always to, to bring that up, but that's obviously part of the story here. What does that feel like? Is there, is there more pressure or like, what, what is that like more, more of the chip? How does that all feel? Yeah. I mean, uh, if there's a time to perform, uh, it's now, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, you definitely feel like you're freaking nuts are right next to a saw and it's like, okay, you, you either got to pull them off or you get your nuts cut off. Like that's, that's how I would describe that feeling. And it's like, I just never imagined that, that this would be, you know, where I was in MMA, but you know, I, I made the mistake that a lot of guys do. I took a crazy short notice fight against somebody really tough that I wasn't prepared for. And, and it, it led, it led me here. So, um, you know, my decisions led me to this point and, 
you know, it's got to be me stepping up and making shit happen to make sure that, you know, I still have a job on the 23rd. And I'm, I'm no uh, stranger to the pressure, you know what I mean, inside, inside the cage. Like, I've dealt with some heavy shit and went on and had, you know, great performances before. I feel like this is a different kind of load, but it's also a huge load. And, you know, in those circumstances, I feel like that's when, you know, the really, I tighten shit up and the best version of myself comes out. And uh, I, I think that will happen this weekend. I mean, based on my training, I think I'm the best athlete I've been. That's another cliche that everybody says, but, but I, I really believe that, you know, I'm not just saying it because it sounds good. Like I actually believe that to be true. Really feel like your job's on the line here. Um, I mean, maybe, I mean, you should always feel like your job's on the line though, right? Every fight in your career is the biggest fight of your life. You know, I felt like, uh, you know, when I was, when I was coming up, um, before the UFC, it was like, you know, I had a pretty polished record. I was like 12, 12 and one, 13 and one, then 14 and one. And every single one of those fights, I felt like, it's like, man, if I can't, if I can't get it done this time, like, I'm, I'm not going to make it, you know what I mean? So that was, this, and I was fighting, you know, in front of a home crowd and there was, I was always the main event. So, I mean, it's always, there's always been that, that, that looming pressure, you know what I mean? And it's just like figuring out how to deal with that. Like, Hey, like, uh, like, you know, this fight decides whether no one ever knows who you are or the whole world knows who you are on a big stage. You know what I mean? Like, is it, is it like, what if you slip and fall? You know what I mean? Like, what if, what if something, you know, what if you get whacked with a big shot and it, it's, it's over for you? You know what I mean? And it's three more years before you get to the UFC. And by then you're, you're past your prime and you're, you're fucked. You know, like you're just straight fucked. You know what I mean? So uh, every single fight has this crazy, just looming weight uh, to it, but I've gotten better at dealing with it in the way that like, you know, like even before the UFC, like I was just extremely present, like, present day you know what I mean like today I have to pack my shit tomorrow I have to go check in and start doing my UFC stuff and I'm not really gonna like freak out about the fight you know what I mean like when I'm training I'm super uber focused but as soon as it's over I'm kind of like okay all right let's go shopping let's go do this you know what I mean so I've gotten a lot better at, at just being present in the moment and not letting the pressure necessarily get to me until you know what I mean I'm in there and I'm like okay it's time it's time it's time to figure this shit out like you're gonna be the man or you're gonna you're gonna pass this opportunity up and um i think i'm gonna be the man i have a i have a feeling that that's the way this is gonna go this weekend you're gonna wake up saturday it's game seven but before that it's just i'm gonna go do media day or i'm gonna go eat some breakfast i mean that's just that's the best way to approach it right you can't obsess about it yeah, and, and and like honestly, right now, uh, you know, with the diet and everything, I'm so focused on weighing in and like Friday night. Like, if there's one thing that like I can't stop thinking about, it's not the fight. It's like what I'm gonna eat Friday night. Like, I I'm literally just focused on like food. Like, I'm just like excited that this is coming to an end and that I'm gonna be able to eat and enjoy a meal with my family and uh, just relax. Honestly, like that, like that's, I'm just looking forward to that. I'm like, man, I just want this week to just fly by. I want the misery of the weight cut to just 
fly by. Uh, I mean, everything's on track. I mean, I know what I'm doing. I know what it feels like. I know it's going to suck, but I know that Friday I get to sit down and have a nice meal. And, and that's kind of what I'm, what I'm focused on. You're going to eat. What's, what's the meal? Yeah. Are, are we, do we have choices or have we narrowed it down? Have we, have we pinpointed one thing? I, I have a restaurant picked out. Uh, it's a steakhouse in Fullerton, California. I, I've seen the menu. I try not to like look at it and obsess <laughs> over it. Um, but I, I, let's say I spent like 30 minutes on the menu and I have like eight things picked out right now. I think I know what I want every single person at the table to order just so I can like try some of their food. Uh, uh, I, I get, I get bad. I get bad, like, especially right now this week, you know, like my, my food consumption is absolute shit. So I'm just no salt, no flavoring, nothing. So like these last few, these last few days, like, like I am thinking about food 24 seven. Like I just want, you know what I mean? Like I actually enjoy, like, this is, one of those weird things i actually like ordering food for other people or cooking for other people like when i can't eat i don't know why so i've been like cooking my girlfriend like gourmet meals every night and like when everyone's uh you know when we're locked up at the hotel like i'm gonna be like probably scrolling uber eats a, a few hours a day trying to find like where do you guys want to eat lunch dinner what do you want i think you should get this i think you should get that uh yeah i get i get pretty food crazy these last few days do you have a prediction for the fight? I mean, you're not obviously you're gonna win, or at least you think like that's your mentality. But do you, yeah, are you a visual guy at this point? Yeah, I think honest to God, I think that um, I think I can land that big shot, and I know I, I know I can land that big shot and hurt him. Whether he falls, you know, that's up to him. But based on what I've seen him do, I really I really think that I can I can hit him with those big shots. And if I need to, I know I can take him down. I know I can take him down and make this hell for him. That's not the fight that I want to fight. But if I have to, I will hug that motherfucker for 15 minutes and ride him like a horse. Um, but one way or another, I'm getting my hand raised. I have to. I mean, that's, that's where we're at. Like I said, knots are real close to a bandsaw. And it's uncomfortable. And I want this feeling to go away. That's a very vivid, very vivid right there. <laughs> uh, last thing before I let you go. I know you got a million things going on. but you were at one point in 2021 a between the links champion. You came on the debate show and, and you came out with a victory. So might as well put you to the test right now. Put the analyst hat on after you fight and, and do your thing. We got two title fights. You got Brandon Moreno defending his title against Davis of Figueredo. We got Francis Ngannou defending his title against the interim champion, Cyril Gan. What are we thinking here? Who, uh, who's going to leave Anaheim with some gold? Well, uh, We'll start, I'll start with Francis. Uh, you know, Francis, training partner, teammate of mine. I've seen the work he's put in. Um, do you really want to bet against a guy that can literally put anyone's lights out in, like, just by touching them? Like, this guy's knocking people out with a jab. Like, I see him hurt guys every day. Uh, he's a scary, scary dude. I mean, Surreal is a, is, a, is a serious athlete and a serious competitor, but, I mean – when you get in there and you start throwing four ounce, four ounce gloves, I'm like, are you going to bet against Mike Tyson? You know what I mean? Ever, you know, knowing that if he just touches somebody, like, like the lights are going out. So, you know, I got Francis, he's an underdog and he's the champ. Don't understand that at all. Uh, we're in the same boat. So I'm definitely going to take Francis and then Moreno, Figueredo. Uh, I think that first fight, I thought Brandon won. I sat there with his family and I thought he won that first fight. 
I mean, he obviously won the second fight. Uh, do I think Davison Figueredo is going to do something drastically different now that, you know, the belt's been taken from him? No, I think that it's going to be worse. I think it's going to be worse. I think Brandon's going to beat him even worse. I think Brandon's kind of coming into his own. Uh, I see that kid train. I see the team that he has around him. Um, he just looks like he, he looks and feels like a champion. He really does. Uh, and you know, he didn't, he didn't before, but I think, I think Brandon's self-belief and, and skills have done nothing but, but improve, you know what I mean? I don't think he, he got the belt and then went out and partied and was the man. Like that guy was back in the gym and he's been doing crazy dog workouts. I mean, I see it all the time. Uh, so, you know, I definitely have Marino and, and Francis in those title fights. Two title uh, retentions here. It should be an interesting fight. Yeah, Francis Ngannou, the, the line is spreading even more in the, on the Gan side. Ngannou, a plus 135. You're telling me I can get Francis Ngannou at underdog money? I don't even bet, but I would say, like, that's it's got to open your eyes a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and how many times has Francis Ngannou been an underdog in fights? I'd be interested to see that because I'm sure he's an underdog a lot. And then he goes oh. out there and touches you with a jab and you fall over. And you're like, oh, shit. Is it too late to pull my bet? Yeah, last time he was the underdog was the Cain Velasquez fight. Because he was coming off the two, I think it was, that was the fight he was coming off the two losses, perhaps. And then he came yeah, out and just good. touched Velasquez and the fight was over that's in like right. 11 seconds, yeah, which is insane. Right. But which very easily happened this time around. Yeah. That dude is nasty. Thanks, Gabriel. Oh, it's, it's, it's amazing hearing him do interviews. He's just the nicest guy in the world. I just want to hear him talk forever. Soft-spoken, nice guy. Hi, Cody. How are you? How are you doing today? <laughs> Francis. Still scared the shit out of me, but, but you're like awkwardly nice. I'm not really sure how this conversation's gonna progress. Well, whatever you, where, wherever he, uh, whatever he says, we just follow along with the conversation and, and keep a smile on the big man's face. So, uh, Cody, always appreciate the time, my man. I, I appreciate it very much. All the best to you with the packing and uh, getting to Anaheim and uh, the, the fight week stuff. And then in the fight itself on Saturday, looking forward to it. And uh, I think a lot of betters are going to be knocking that line down a little bit. Hope so. I hope so. I know I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs>to Platinum Mike Perry, along with a very special guest. 2021 ended in a very interesting way for Mr. Perry. 2022 is slated to start off quite interesting as well. He's going to be making his BKFC debut in the main event of Knuckle Mania 2, February 18th in Hollywood, Florida. Happy to have Mike Perry joining us along with his one-year-old son. Mike, welcome back. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. You see them muscles? Look at those muscles, huh? <laughs> Look at those muscles. Yeah. I'm good, brother. How are you, Mike? I'm doing great. So it is good to have both of you here. First off, I have to bring this up because the last time you and I spoke, it was when the UFC were doing those virtual media day calls. I'm sure you remember those. And uh, this is right before the Mickey Gall fight. And I got in a question because you were not feeling it, Mike. You were not feeling it that day. In fact, I even asked you if you were happy to be there and you said, absolutely not. There's about 5 million other things you'd rather be doing than being there that day. And it seems like, honestly, Mike, things have changed. You, you seem to be in a better spot when it comes to the media and such. Is that accurate? Do you feel a little bit better about your relationship with the media compared to a couple of years ago, especially at that time? Well, I was on fire that week. Um, <laughs> you know, that whole week, I kind of had this 
this built up idea of not accepting any kindness um, because people, there's this trick that people do where they smile in your face and they stab you in the back. And, um, you know, it wasn't really directed towards anyone, but it was also directed towards everyone because I don't trust anybody. And I expect from people to be that type of way. Yes, I've grown up a little bit more since then. Um, I've been trying to be more humble and, um, you know, I'm definitely more grateful. Times have changed. Uh, I've had different opportunities. I had opportunities then, but I, my, my, my head wasn't in the right space to provide for myself for the, and for the opportunities that were upon me. Um, you know, I don't know now. I just, I don't know. I've grown up, man. I think a little differently and still, obviously people do funny things or they act a, a messed up type of way, or they try to, you know, I don't know. They, they're just conniving and deceitful and they're sneaky about it. And, um, because I, I know that, I don't expect it from everyone. I know that there are some good people out there. And that that is the difference, to be honest, is that there are lots of good people who do support me. And, um, you know, I used to cuss out everybody because of the haters. Now I, I refuse to give them the time of day. Yeah. It's, I mean, I get it, man, especially in the combat sports community. It's, it can be kind of a fickle place. It's hard to understand like who's got your back, who is, whose ideas are the right ones, positivity, et cetera. So yeah, I totally get where you're coming from. It's something that I'm learning more and more being involved in, in this space. And, you know, you've, you've had the opportunity to do a lot of different things recently. Like last year we saw the news you signed with BKFC then we find out you're competing on this triad combat card in Arlington, Texas with freaking Metallica playing on stage. You take on Michael Seals, a former world champion. You enter as a sizable underdog and you win the fight like that. And that fight was super fun to watch, man. Like, what was that experience like for you? All things considered the rule set, the event. This is the first card trailer put on like that. Like, what did you think of the whole experience? Um. I mean, it was great, man. It, the whole thing was great. I got to hang out with Rampage Jackson, um, Matt Mitrione, Frank Mir, um, Kubalev, and and the freedom that. Okay, 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 okay. Just let that talk for a bit, okay? Real quick. Um, so the freedom that we kind of got in that. I mean, it was messed up with the Make-A-Wish microphones when me and Michael Seals were trying to talk trash and they kind of went out. <laughs> but it happened how it happened. And, um, you know, I the, we have freedom to, like, I got to be a part of, of um, what do you call that, when uh, all the fighters are up there on stage and they're talking. What do you call that? What is like that a, called? A press conference? A press conference, okay? I did a press conference once in the UFC. 
I didn't do a great job, so they didn't offer me another one because I was like up there being a nice guy, I guess. This time, you know, we got to talk a little trash. We got to be a little more free. Like, you know, the boys talk trash. That's what we do. We were we were roasting each other a little bit. I was making fun of of uh, Let's Go Champ because he was wearing Timberlands with basketball shorts. I was like, you can't do that. You're not supposed to wear that. And um, I was just making jokes, you know, and and it was boxers versus MMA. So everybody had like a chip on their shoulder and uh, it was a good time that, you know, they, they flew me out at first class, which was nice on fight week to get to relax on the way to the event. Um, and then, uh, what else, man? I mean, the hotel rooms were nice. My team was taken care of. There was some good food. Um, they, they even went above and beyond and helped us at weigh-ins when some fighters were, you know, on weight and uh, they were trying to get us, you know, they were trying to make sure that everyone was in a healthy position to, you know, go ahead and make the weight and then do the face-offs and the weigh-ins and stuff. They were trying to get it done which I appreciated. The fight itself, like I said, was, was just, it was bonkers. It was, uh, you, you kind of, you turn into a brawl. He seemed to like it. And then your reaction to getting the win was amazing because the fight was fire. And a lot of those rounds were very close. And you had that sort of surprise look on your face when you were announced the winner. So how would you describe that look? Was it more like, wow, I can't believe I won or wow, I can't believe the judges actually scored this one correctly? Yeah, I think it was this, that second one there because, I mean, you just, somebody asked me that, one of the commentators asked me that uh, shortly after the event. And I said it was because, you know, you can't leave it up to the judges. So I was happy to get credit for my ring generalship which I didn't always get credit for. There were some fights or decisions that didn't go my way that I felt in the past could should have gone my way or could have, but I don't, you know, I don't look back. So I was just happy to be honest with you. I was just like, oh, like, you know, it was just real joy there that I, I had worked so hard my whole life kind of for that moment. And um, there was new goals to be made, new, uh, just new, new things to accomplish after that fight. A whole new Mike Perry was born. So that that just all hit me all at once when they gave me the win. Where does that rank in your combat sports career that way? I mean, it's got to be way the hell up there, right? It felt good. And I found out that they were. Oh, it's all good. I found out it uh, it wasn't going on my record. I mean, what? I yeah, I guess it is what it is. It's like it an didn't go. Yeah, I guess it didn't go on my record. So <laughs> it's so goofy right now, but um, 
the win. I mean, it's still a win that you got announced yes. the winner and you got paid, right? It was a win, but I was looking, I was, yeah, it's all good. It is. It's, it is all good. All of a sudden this keeps wanting to slide. Oh, I'm sorry about this. I, nah, you know, I don't know how to use my laptop on Zoom. Oh, nah, it's all good. Goodness. We'll be all right. Come on here, buddy. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's all good, man. So right. yeah, that was that was a wild fight. That was a wild event. Seeing a Metallica concert with fighting was uh, exactly what you needed at the day after Thanksgiving. But next for you is the BKFC ring. You're taking on Julian Lane. Of course, there's no love lost between the two of you guys as of late. We saw the video. You're you're doing commentary in Tampa. We see some papers or some pamphlets or some programs fly at your face. Headset drops, you vanish, and then we see some fan video. You guys are in the crowd getting after it. What happened there? Like, why do you think he chose that moment to start throwing stuff at you to, to set this whole thing off? Because there was guardrails in between us, and he was safe behind them. And, uh, you know, I think about that moment, and I'm like, man, I should have just jumped over and tackled him or something and, like – you know, I was just so pissed off. I still am pissed off. And uh, I mean, I'm just going to handle my business on February 19th. Um, you know, there were a couple opponents in mind, but I feel like he gets the opportunity. Um, and there was others who didn't get the opportunity because they weren't someone that I should do business with. And, you know, not saying that he is someone I should do business with, but you know what? We're doing the business. He got what he wanted. He uh, he threw the cards at me. And I don't know who picked that time for him or that spot or if they set it up and they were trying to make, a, you know, they were trying to make the fight a little more popping. But I gave them what they wanted, too, at the same time, because I wasn't there to play no bullshit games or anything like that. Like, I was talking on the mic, and I was just like, you know, I haven't had my opportunity. I got to I got to, to get a little taste of the bare knuckle uh, before I got to do it for real. So, you know, and it was weird for me because I'm a professional – um, I understand that I have a past, but, you know, with the guardrails and everything, I mean, in an open ring, when they say fight and they, and we start from a distance with my technique and my boxing abilities, it's going to just be a totally different show. There's not going to be bunches of people to be there to break it up right away or, you know. And the video didn't look great. It looked like, you know, we, we were just holding. I mean, that's the bare knuckle clinch right there. Guys clinch and then throw shots. And, uh, you know, it's just, I can't wait to get this motherfucker. Did you, like, have you ever met him before? Like, was there any interaction? Was that the first time you've interacted nah, you with know, him? Yeah, that was the first time, but. I saw him. I saw him see me when he was up in the crowd somewhere talking to people, walking around. I had 
I had some people with me that were like keeping drunk people off of me. They were watching my back. A couple of weird people tried to like come up on me in the show or whatever. And, you know, I mean, obviously I can handle myself, but it's nice to have friends who care about you and, and, and want to help you when people are trying to be, you know, idiots. But I saw him see me up in the stands and he ain't want to come by at that time. He waited for me to be behind that guardrail. And so, and, and the first thing he did when I got up was he backed up, he backed up scared. So he's just lucky that that guardrail was there, but I mean, we'll see when he shows up February 19th, cause I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna bust his shit. These BKFC events are pretty wild. There's always some sort of crowd fight or crowd interaction. I, I went and covered Paige's last fight. And I mean, it seemed like every single fight, there is a bare knuckle fighter in the crowd that had an issue with a fighter in the ring. And they were screaming at the fighter and the fighter as they're fighting could actually hear them. So during their post-fight interview, they're calling out the fan. Like it was just, those events are, are, are wild. Like ha- have you enjoyed the BKFC fighter way, so to speak, since, since you've signed and got new experience, live events and, and all that stuff? Um, even before I signed, I went to a BKFC event. It is a pretty good show. I had a good time. Um, you know, I was trying to enjoy the last one. Guess I didn't really get to, but I already knew what was going to happen. I told my girlfriend to stay home with the baby, stay back. You know, we don't really, I don't really go out without her. She don't go out without me, really. You know what I mean? We, we're growing as people, you know, we're trying to to get more independent and and you know be together as well. So so we each have our own things in life. But like I told her, I was like, look, you can't go to this, you can't bring the baby to this because I already know how these idiots are gonna be. Uh it's gonna be drunk people or people messing around or people, it's bare knuckle fighting championships. We walk around bare knuckles. So one of these idiots is going to try to piss me off. And it's not, it's not hard. It's not hard. I will give you what you want. I'm, I'm, I'm for it all day. I'm game. I'm ready at all times. So, you know, the only, the only sucky part is that all the people that came to break it up, it was just too much force of people. You couldn't get through. I couldn't get through the guardrail. There was a big force of a lot of people, security. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. The boss, man, you know, they were, they just, they smother you so you can't really move. And then it gets separated. So that's the only bad thing that happened was that I didn't get, to do to him what I wanted to do to him. And I'm going to get that opportunity February 19th. Who's going to be cornering you for this fight for the, for the BKFC debut. How is that all going to be set up for you? How is what going to be set up? The corner. Who's, who's going to be cornering you? Um, well, my girlfriend likes being in the crowd. And so that's cool. Uh, I would totally give her the front seat, but she prefers, I mean, with this, she could, 
wear a dress in the corner. But I mean, she likes to be in the crowd so she doesn't have to feel all the nerves um, of being there. So I got my my boxing coach that was with me at the Triller fight. His name is uh, JT with Technique Boxing. I mean, I got him. I don't know who else is going to be there. I'm still working on that. Um, so, you know, it, it should, we should figure those things out in the next week or two. So how do we get this, uh, how do we get this all done? How, how do you go in there? I know a lot of big name ex UFC fighters have come to BKFC. Some have found success, success. Some have not. You're obviously a very big name. You're looking to make a big impression on this promotion and its fans and the sport against a guy like Julian Lane, who, Let's be honest, like you said, he started this whole thing. So how do we get how, how do we finish this thing at Knuckle Mania 2? Um, I mean, I'm gonna finish it by knocking him out. I mean, busting him up, making him bleed, cutting his face up, and finishing him, you know, doing the best I can to get him out of there. But it in my contract, there's this thing that says, hey, hey. In my contract, there's this thing that says uh, if there's a tie at the end of five rounds, there is a sudden death round. And I think about Bobby Knuckles with the UFC when he said, you know, I hope it's a, a barn burner drag drag out fight that, you know, it's it's up by a hair and and uh you know, you get you knock him out in the last couple seconds of a great fight. I mean, I'm trying to go in there and be clean, though. Not get touched. I'm pretty easy to touch. It happens. I expect it. I get hit sometimes. But I'm the toughest SOB there is. And um, we'll see how he takes it when I hit him. I'm going to be in his face trying to make him bleed. Few last things. Uh, last month in Tampa, Florida, Jake Paul, who you know, returned to the boxing ring. He knocks out Tyron Woodley in the sixth round. What did you think of the fight? Did you watch it? How it ended? I was there. Not a great fight, but obviously the ending was a was a holy shit moment. And Jake Paul gets the big win, and it was probably a billion dollar punch that he threw in that sixth round. So, what, what were your thoughts on it? I don't know if it was a billion-dollar punch, but it was a good right hook. He got Woodley, I guess. I I haven't, you know, I know Woodley's made some jokes about it. Um, I haven't liked any of the videos or anything like that. I, I, I said before the fight, you know, I got respect for both the guys. I sparred Jake. I've never had the opportunity to spar Woodley. Um, Jake did a good job. I didn't watch the fight. I didn't see that fight. I watched the first one. Woodley did good in the first one. So I was surprised to see that. I'm not really sure where Woodley's mindset was going into the fight. He says that he was great. No excuses from him. Jake did his job. Um, a week that week or whatever, when I actually was at the BKFC event, I was, I had originally been hit up by 
by Jake Paul's team and they asked me to come to Puerto Rico and spar and I was going to do it. But then my managers, uh, I have the same managers as T Woodley. Uh, they kind of advised against that and they didn't want, you know, and I was going to get 2,500 bucks for it. And they were like, you know, Jake should be paying you 25,000 for what he's going to make this weekend. Uh, if you want to spar him this week or whatever. And then the real deal ender was I asked for two tickets to the event and they were like, Oh, we can't get tickets. I was like, all right, well then I can't fucking come help you. Obviously he didn't need the help. I don't know. Maybe he wanted to try to beat on me. I hadn't been training. I had just, um, I had just fought like a week before. And I was kind of under a suspension, but I mean, I went to BKFC and fought Julian Lane for free behind a guardrail. So it looks like I was destined to punch somebody that day or, the, you know, that week. Um, and also, you know, I want to fight Jake Paul. He, uh, I sparred him once, but, you know, I he don't want to fight me because you can hit me as hard as you want. And I'm never going to stop coming for you. And I'm going to land shots. I did land shots on Jake. I had him running into some shots when we sparred. Yes. His first couple rounds, he did pretty good. He's longer, bigger. Um, and you know, he hit me with some shots in the beginning. I kind of wanted to get hit by the shots. I was like, I want to see how Jake punches. Bam, he hit me. No follow-ups. Tries to hit me again. I start making adjustments and start making him run into shots. You know, I'm down for whatever, man. I'll fight anybody. That's why I end up going. To, I, I went to the BKFC fight. I fought Julian there. And uh, I can't wait to get a real opportunity to uh, land my knuckles on his face. Yeah, and I thought your manager—I thought Abe Powell, one of your managers, who obviously know very well, put out a a pretty appropriate tweet after the fight. He said, "Look, here's a reminder: Jake Paul hasn't fought a boxer yet. Mike Perry has fought a boxer, and he beat the boxer. So maybe this is the fight to make." And I know there's talks about Tommy Fury and and Cesar Chavez Jr. and Paul's calling for, for Diaz, Mazadal, Usman, McGregor, whoever, all under UFC contracts, so that's not happening. So why not Mike Perry? Why not Mike Perry? I think I, I think it makes sense. It goes to the theme, the boxing versus MMA. He wants to keep taking out these former UFC fighters, or at least try to anyways. I think it makes perfect sense. I mean, any time, bro. Any fucking time. I'm ready, though. I mean, I signed the contract. I'm fighting February 19th, bare knuckle. Jake Paul don't want to step in no bare knuckle ring with me. If he wants to step in the boxing ring, MMA, we could do anything. We could do a grappling match. We could do a boxing match. We could do a bare knuckle match. We could fight anytime, anywhere. Everybody knows I'm telling the truth. I'm down. What are we waiting for? I work hard. I'm in shape. I look good and I will and yeah and I'll get hit but I like that shit 
I'm kind of a freak. I like it. You can hit me all you want. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you because I'm never going to stop. I'm not going to stop. You can hit me over and over and over and I'm going to keep making little adjustments and I'm going to catch you and you ain't going to like it when I hit you. Before that can happen, of course, you got to take on Julian Lane at Knuckle Mania 2. You're headlining. That that card should be a a fun, wild affair in the bare knuckle ring. And I'm very uh, intrigued to see what 2022 looks like for you, Mike. I mean, Triad Combat's having their second event. I know you, you your your dance card is full right now, but if there's a third one, could probably see you on there doing the damn thing. Maybe you fight Jake Paul. Who knows? The, the, the sky's the limit right now, my man. So thank you for doing this. I appreciate it very much. And uh, happy belated birthday to, to the youngster. And uh, look forward to seeing you in the bare knuckle in the bare knuckle ring on February 18th or 19th, 19th, excuse me. At, uh, yes, sir. Time, man. Thank you very much for the time as always. Knuckle mania. Thank you for your time. Let me go change this shitty diaper. I can smell it over here. <laughs> See you, man. Great stuff from everybody this week. Big thank you to Mike Perry, Cody Stamen, Calvin Cater, and the champ, Brandon Moreno. Loaded up show this week. Hope you enjoyed it. Ahead of a very big weekend for the UFC, the first pay-per-view event of the year. The first pay-per-view event for the UFC with the new price tag on ESPN Plus. $74.99 moving forward. And boy, while I love these two title fights, and I do like a lot on this card, might be a tough sell for the casual audience. The UFC needs to promote the hell out of this card. I mean, they got to promote it like crazy. There, there's certainly a lot of interesting storylines. You get the former teammates, Francis's contract situation looming. That's, I mean, that is such an interesting story. I don't know how the UFC can promote that, but be a good way to do it, especially with this new price tag. Uh, it, it's just, it's a very, very big fight for for both Francis Ngannou and Cyril Gunn. The flyweight title fight is fantastic, and there are some interesting names on this card: Ilya Taporia, the Charles Jordan fight. That's that, that's interesting. Some other, obviously, Mitchell Pajeda, Andre Fialo is interesting. But like I said, on paper, could be a tough sell, especially since UFC 271, headlined by the rematch between Israel Adesanya and Robert Whitaker, that is less than a month away. That's in February. That's on February 12th. So you're asking a lot of UFC fans and their wallets and their budgets, really. I mean... <laughs> 74, that's 150 bucks in like three weeks. Not to mention all the other stuff. If you're going to pay for DAZN, if you're a boxing fan, if you're going to pay for Showtime, for Bellator, and just, you know, ESPN Plus as well, the, the monthly fee for that. I mean, you're, you're asking for a lot right off the bat, but like I said, I'm, I'm, I like the card. I, like the, I love the two title fights. But we will have you covered for all things UFC 270. The press conference goes down 8 p.m. Eastern on Thursday. We'll have the first weigh-in show of 2022 on Friday. Details to follow there. Preview show as well. Pre-fight show 30 minutes before the event, answering all of your questions, all the post-fight coverage. Alive on to the next one Sunday morning on YouTube as well. So there's a lot going on. So until then, everybody, I am Mike Heck. Peace out, everybody. We'll see you throughout the weekend and next week right here on We Got Next. You're listening to 
of the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs, you might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio, a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per-pixel control. Dev teams, you get a zero setup, developer first environment, combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features.